Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is contacttalkradio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning in to Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. I used to think time was my enemy. My future wasn't looking good. So worried about the things I couldn't see. I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time Now you could say that I'm Aging gratefully Live from the rolling hills of the beautiful Tennessee Valley at the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains across this amazing nation and spanning the universe, you're listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, bringing you exceptional guests and novel information to ensure you live full, age dynamically, and embrace each extraordinary day for the incredible gift it is. Welcome, everyone, to the Aging Gratefully show. We're here live the second and fourth Friday every month on the CTR Network at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, and catch us by podcast for up to four shows per month. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed that song, the intro song is Jim Beloff. It is Aging Gratefully by his album Dreams, I Left in Pockets. You can download that from iTunes, and he was a guest uh, on the show. That was an awesome show, and he lets us use that song. So uh, if you want that, to add that to your playlist, please do. Welcome to the show on this Friday the 13th. Nothing scary about it, though. Um, this January, Aging Gratefully, uh, where we practice happy thinking and cherish life as the gift it is. Never take it for granted and realize what? That age is just a number. And I do what? Show up every show to remind you. Never to act your age. That's right. We're not giving in to any chronological identifiers that bog us down. We're living life through our bucket list here on Aging Gratefully, and we're loving the life we're in at any age and any stage together in the spirit of gratitude. 
So I hope everyone's 2017 is off to a fantastic beginning. Mine is. We've had some great shows, of course. Um, we started out with uh, Lori Eber right before the new year. Uh, Happy New Year, Healthy New You. And then we had um, our first show, um, January 7th. And so um, this is our second show, of course, um, hitting the new year. So if you want to uh, catch a podcast, join over 50,000 subscribers that subscribe through iTunes and Feedblitz or anywhere podcasts are available so that if you can't listen live, you always receive the show direct to your inbox. So now for 2017, I'm actually giving away one of my books every show to a listener that tweets or posts about the show on Facebook or Twitter. And you can find me on Facebook um, at Holly Kelly slash Ladder Life Planning Institute. I think you can pull it up, um, Gerontologist Holly Kelly, or Twitter at Life's an Attitude. And this past week's winner is uh, Senior B's uh, CEO, Susan, who tweeted about the show. And she'll be receiving one of my autographed copies of the book uh, for kindly tweeting about Kent Heck and Lively's uh, show, The Author of Inoculated. Um, it's just that simple. So every week it warms my heart to hear folks build up the show. And um, seriously, you guys remind me to age gratefully, great and full and gracefully in all ways. So uh, I remain in gratitude to you. Uh, my platform as a gerontologist is to encourage you to plan your personal affairs, and I help you do that with my novel approaches to advanced care planning. So that is my professional goals for 2017, is to uh, tremendously expand my outreach to serve more people and to professionally provide more opportunities for planning through more workshops, more awareness, and uh, in the work that I do. So I want to get those numbers above 30% of people uh, that act actually execute advanced care planning and um, and do their advanced directives. So uh, tweet or post about the show, and you may have a chance to win the book, which does help you plan. Um, and uh, as I stated in the intro, I'm actually moving the show to the second and fourth Friday live shows, uh, but I will be able to feature up to four podcasts a month um, and, and that just helps me be able to focus on more on my gerontological work, uh, because these shows and the prep does take so much, um, of my work and I do love it. So this helps me balance both and to be able to serve you in so many different ways. So you can always find out about upcoming shows on Twitter, Facebook, my websites, um, show dates and guests, uh, plus always on the CTR network site. What a show I have for you today. Wow, talk about a topic that will appeal to every single one of you. Buckle up. It's going to be amazing. Uh, let's get through our show traditions so I can introduce this fantastic guest. I'm really excited about her. Today's alphabet soup for the psyche, of course, it's related to the guest. Listen to this. Quote, uh, remember, not only to say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult still to leave unsaid the wrong thing. At the Tempting Moment. That is by Benjamin Franklin. You can find this Alphabet Soup for the Psyche on my website, ladderlifeplanninginstitute.com or sunrisesandsunsetsbook.com under the link What I'm Sharing. Show dedication to composure. That's a noun. Serene, self-controlled, state of mind, calmness, tranquility. Sometimes we really need some composure. 
Mm. This show will teach us a little bit of that today. This day in history, Friday, January 13th, 1610, Galileo Galilei, astronomer and physicist, discovers Callisto, fourth satellite of Jupiter. In 1794, Congress changes U.S. flag to 15 stars and 15 stripes. In 1854, Anthony Foss patents accordion. And in 1863, Chanel yarn-making machine is patented by, patented by William Cantor in New York City. And in 1888, National Geographic Society was founded in Washington, D.C. 1895, Oscar Wilde's Ideal Husband premieres in London. And in 1920, the New York Times editorial, in parentheses falsely, reports that rockets could never fly. Well, of course. I mean, who could even imagine such a thing? And in 1929, I love this one. Um, well, I mean, I don't love it. I, I don't mean to say that, but I do love, um, of course, uh, Western history. If you know me, you know that I'm um, fan of the Wild West. Uh, so I wanted to put this in here and honor this. Um, Wyatt Earp, U.S. Marshal of OK Corral, he dies at the age of 80, which is a really long life. And in 1930, Mickey Mouse comic strip uh, first appears. 1942, Henry Ford patents a method of constructing plastic auto bodies. Birthday, uh, we celebrate 1966 um, of Patrick Dempsey, American actor um, mainly known, uh, I think, of Grey's Anatomy. And uh, I think they call him McDreamy. In 1978, NASA selects its first American woman astronauts. And in 1989, Ryan's Hope ends 13 and a half year run on ABC TV. 1989, also computers across Britain are hit by uh, what's called the Friday the 13th Jerusalem virus. And in 2000, Microsoft Chairman Bill, Chairman Bill Gates steps aside as chief executive and promotes company president Steve Ballmer to the position. So there you have it, this day in history, Friday the 13th. And uh, my show notes are a bit of a disaster. My printer's broke. They're half written. They're half printed. Um, so we're going to learn to deal with difficult things today. I happen to be dealing with difficult technology. So let me see if I can read uh, an intro and be worthy of this fantastic guest uh, with what I have in front of me. I have to apologize ahead of time if this doesn't go well. So, um, Sarah Sam Elliston is an expert at the art of dealing with difficult people. She is a top workshop leader and a member of the faculty of William Glasser Institute, which espouses reality therapy to foster behavioral change. But her instructional career began long before she was aware that she was herself a difficult person. Traits that began in Lincoln, Massachusetts, where she grew up. For more than 30 years, she has been teaching and training, first as a high school teacher in Ohio and Cincinnati, and then as an administrator in the not-for-profit sector. Elliston, who holds a BA in International Relations from the University of Maine and a Master of Arts in Teaching from Brown University, spent 23 years in the United Ways of Volunteer Center, coordinating volunteers for the Cincinnati City Government, training local volunteer coordinators and board volunteers, and managing the volunteer program for United Way. While at the United Way, she developed and managed a certificate earning series on volunteer management in Northern Kentucky University 
and the Union Institute. She also taught both undergraduate and graduate courses in volunteer program management at Northern Kentucky University. She is a certified volunteer administrator, the highest level of professional certification in the field. In addition to her work as a volunteer administrator, Ellison pursued a course of study that would bring her to her current area of expertise. She is now certified in values realization, parent effectiveness training, and reality therapy. She has served as a board member and president of the Values Realization Institute. Ellison's passion is training and designing an experience that allows learners to find a process that works for them to make the changes they desire. She is a gentle, persistent, humorous, and intelligent trainer, drawing from many sources and always willing to admit that she might not know the answer. It is with great pleasure that I welcome you, Sarah, Sam, Ellison, to the show. Welcome to Aging Gratefully. Thank you so much. Wow, that really sounds impressive when you read it, doesn't it? <laughs> Isn't it amazing when we when we land on paper what we sound like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, delighted to have you. And um, th- this is a topic that uh, can can be so relative to practically everyone, don't you think? I think so. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Uh, but I wrote it from the perspective of being a difficult person. So it's called Lessons from a Difficult Person, How to Deal with People Like Us. Okay, so... to all the lists of all the things you should do to deal with difficult people. Okay, so I want to stop you there. So everyone mm-hmm. has dealt with challenging social dynamics. This is mm-hmm. definitely a show for everyone. Interesting title, particularly from what you said, the perspective of a, I'm going to call you a self-proclaimed former difficult person. So, I mean, you have us at, <laughs> you have us at how to deal with people like us, Sarah. This is a clever, I mean, we're listening because we want to get inside the head of and gain insight of those who have tested our patients. Um, so, um, I just, I love that you, you decide to get so real and raw. And, um, and I think it is because it is from your perspective that, uh, we, we want to grab this book. We want to, it's not somebody saying, Hey, here's how to deal with a difficult person. When, when I saw this title, how to deal with people like us, not how to deal with those kind of people. This is pretty neat. It's so I have the book in front of me and, um, it's fun. It's cheeky and, but it, it's more than that. It's very, very real. And so for listeners real quick, I just, um, I want to read the table of contents because I have it here in front of me. I just want to capture a couple of things because I want to send people to Amazon right now at the beginning of the show. Um, you can get this lessons from a difficult person, how to deal with people like us by Sarah, S A R A H Elliston. Um, so, uh, is someone difficult in your life? Uh, guess what? Difficult people are clueless. (laughs) This is so cute. Um, how did I become difficult? Um, why did I change? Uh, there is just all kinds of give us a clue. What's really going on? Impact, baby, impact. Uh, what emotions get in the way? Are you in your own way? I actually wrote a blog um, that that spoke to me 
um, because I wrote a blog, and it, it may not even really be exactly the same thing, but sometimes we need to get out of our own way so we can see what's going on. And so um, I think that's so important in life. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted people to understand the fun that you put into this book. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, I tried to, I tried to make the title fun because it it can get kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a deep, deep topic, or it can be. So I didn't want it to be too boring. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so tell us, if you can, uh, the listeners and I how you embarked on the journey of even what led you to this. Well, of course, that's my whole life. But um, probably the the genesis of the book, I've been, I was teaching classes on dealing with difficult volunteers when I was working with volunteer administrators. And um, the last nine years of after I left United Way, I was working at a church, and I realized that I, while I was teaching, still teaching the classes for volunteer administrators, I realized that that class was the most popular, the Dealing with Difficult Volunteers, and uh, I could teach it to Dealing with Difficult People. And so I, I did a couple of different workshops and, you know, did them for free and just said, come and give me feedback, tell me if this works. Um, give me your experiences. And what I found uh, was that what people really resonated with was when I explained how I discovered I was a difficult person. So when I was uh, considering, uh, then I have done workshops now for three or four years since then, and uh, some coaching of people who can't get to the workshop or who come to the workshop and want a little extra help. Um, I'm not a therapist, but I can do some coaching. Uh, then I realized people were asking me for more. You know, they said, well, we've taken your workshop. You need to do an advanced workshop. <laughs> we we want something that we can hold on to. So I thought, well, I'll just put it in a book. And as I wrote the book, I realized that I, I, could, I could do the exercises or the uh, strategies for people to self-explore um, in terms of how they will have a conversation with a difficult person, that was the easy part. But I realized that the story about how how I developed and how I discovered I was a difficult person had to be more expanded. And so, yes, that was the challenging part of the book. I think you mentioned that. Okay. Um, when we come when we come back from break, I want you to share with us the moment that it came to your attention that oh my goodness. I'm difficult mm-hmm. when we come back. You're listening to Aging Gratefully. I have author Sarah Elliston. Uh, you can find her at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Elliston, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-N.com. We'll be back right after this. Life Planning Institute is the ultimate guidance for life's inevitable destiny and your path to passionate aging and inspirational advanced care planning. LLPI offers tools that educate, inspire, and enlighten. Live vibrantly, plan thoughtfully, age dynamically. Visit LLPI for business and individual consulting services. Professional and keynote speaking. 
books, workshops, education, webinars, and resources. LLPI is here to transform your ladder life living today. Visit them at LadderLifePlanningInstitute.com. Live extraordinary, age dynamically. Visit LadderLifePlanningInstitute.com. Having fun here this Friday, the 13th on Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. Thank you so much for listening. I'm with author Sarah Elliston, and she has written the book Lessons from a Difficult Person, How to Deal with People Like Us. Does that capture you? It drew me in. And uh, we're talking about her journey of the book, her journey of life, really. And before we went to break, I asked her to share with us the moment she became informed she was difficult. So, Sarah, take it from here. Okay, thanks. Uh, I was 50 years old. I had a, a new boss, a new supervisor at United Way. She was very direct and clear. She was a trainer. We really resonated well together. And she liked the way I worked, and she had a lot of praise for me. And at one point in a conversation, she said, you know, there's sometimes you do this thing when you get upset about stuff and you get frustrated, and and you really create a lot of um, tension. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What do I do? She said, well, never mind. I'll wait till you do it, and then I'll point it out. And so two weeks later, I had bought a, my very first pair of real glasses um, that cost, re- you know, lots of money, and I lost them, and I mm-hmm. couldn't find them. And I was mm-hmm. really frustrated. And I was stomping around the office, and I was lifting things up and putting them down and talking to myself and muttering and probably swearing and mm-hmm. going out to my car and back. I was I was creating a lot of... A lot of... A lot like of a tension. tirade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only I, it, I was just wrapped up in it myself. And it was in a small cubicle environment. So it, anyway, she pulled me into her office and said, Sam, what you're doing right now, that's what you're doing. That's got to stop. And I said what am I doing? And she described my behavior as I just described it to you. And I said, oh, well, yeah. She said, well, you know, we can't really work with that kind of negative energy and Mm -hmm. that kind of tension going on. We can't make calls. We can't focus. And I was like, oh, I honestly had no clue that anybody even noticed me or Mm -hmm. that I had any impact on other people. Mm -hmm. And so the very first there's about four major points about the difficult people that I like to, I really want to make. And the first one is we do not have a clue about what we're doing. And actually in the world, most of us know what we're thinking and what we're feeling, but we don't always know what we're saying or how we're acting. The mm-hmm. irony of that is that that's the easiest thing to change. It's a little harder to change what we think and what we feel, but we can change our simple actions so that we drive to work a different way or put our clothes on in a different order or take a shower before breakfast instead of after. We can be deliberate about doing things differently. And the irony there, again, is that if we change what we do, we end up changing how we view and how we think and how we feel. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know. And I'm convinced that uh, when people talk to me about their difficult people, I say, do you think he knows he's doing it? Their reaction is, of course they know they're doing it. They do it on purpose. 
they're and they have a long emotional rant. And I have to tell you, it was never my intent to create uh, tension and difficulties for other people in my life. I had no idea I was doing it, and it was not deliberate to make anybody angry with me or, you know, wish that I wasn't there. And I want to interject because (laughs) to the onlookers, that almost seems, because there seems to be such a tide associated when you're watching somebody do that and that force of that individual carries such momentum with it, it is hard for the onlookers to resonate with that. Totally. Mm -hmm. It's a real interesting concept. If you think about, Dr. Glasser talks about toxic habits, and I think most of the difficult people, myself included, um, live these habits, criticizing, blaming, complaining, nagging, threatening, and punishing. And I think I was pretty much a complainer and a nagger and a blamer. Uh, I've certainly spent lots of time criticizing other people. I tried not to say it out loud. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I couldn't. I couldn't not say it to somebody so that I was always looking for what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that so it wasn't just an anger management issue. What what I what happened was I when I sat down and my I said to my boss, "Oh my god, I'll stop." And I sat down and I started thinking about it and I started examining how often I might do this and I asked my husband. He said, "Oh yes, you <laughs> You have a little more temp- temper tantrums all the time. He said, we just got used to it. You know, they go away. They pass really quickly. We don't really take them seriously. And uh, that there's some stories in the book about, about a situation, especially with uh, my husband and some construction, where I had to absolutely almost lie down on the floor and kick and scream because he was so used to me having little temper tantrums, he wasn't taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> so it's but it's not deliberate. It's not we're not trying to hurt anyone with it. We don't know we're doing it, and we don't know how you perceive us. Hmm. Uh, it took me. It took. I mean, I was fifty, and I'm seventy now, and and maybe I've been better for the last eight or ten years. You know, mm-hmm. so it took me maybe ten years to, of really self-examining and and biting my tongue not to say things when I wanted to say them. Um, and what I began to see was that people perceived me as being intelligent, knowledgeable, confident, and I know I come across that way, but I never felt that way inside. And I can remember saying to the people in my life, my intimate people, was like, don't forget I'm just this little kid in here. Don't act like just because I said that. I, I know it. I'm just I'm just throwing things out. Uh, on the Myers-Briggs scale, I'm an extroverted thinker. So I just say what I think sometimes, and, and it's not always positive, and I've had to learn to control that. But as I began to see that people kind of gave me power, that I didn't ask for and I didn't train for. I was very uh, successful in front of a classroom or giving a lecture or asking a question at a big meeting. I, uh, people always seemed to listen to me, and I didn't know why. But as I began to become more aware of that, I realized that people that I'd worked for over the years, when I asked them questions, and I thought I was asking a question, they perceived me as challenging their authority. And I completely understand it now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I didn't even know it then. 
Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that's part of not knowing what the impact is of whatever it is we're doing. So the difficult person doesn't know they're doing it. They don't. Uh, they're not deliberately doing it to make you angry. They don't know how others perceive them, and they really don't know what the impact is of their behavior. So it's real simple to say, well, you want to sit down and have a conversation with a difficult person and say, do you know you're doing this, and do you know it has this impact on the rest of us or the family or the team or the clients or the customers or whoever the impact is on? Um, But actually getting ready for that conversation is the rest of the book. And and going through the self-seeking or self-searching kind of uh, exercises so that you can look at the difficult person without the hostility and emotion. And uh, I I think um, one of the one of the concepts that I arrived at is that you you want to get yourself to a place where you're in the uh, difficult person's corner and you're, you're rooting for them. You're no longer oppositional to them. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look at workshops for, you know, a professional workshop for dealing with difficult people, they talk about fighting frustration in the workplace and learn to take the offensive against the know-it-alls and the dictators and all the contrary characters you confront Never again fall victim to those who love to make life miserable for the rest of us. Um, I don't find that a very useful approach to uh, to dealing with difficult people because it it maintains that hostility, that adversarial relationship. And one of the things that you probably know and you've probably heard on this um, radio show in a lot of different ways is that when you hold on to your anger, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It it, it harbors. <laughs> Actually, I, I believe that it festers. And, um, sure. you know, I think it's so important that we evolve past those things that are holding us back. You have to let that stuff go. And the challenge, of course, is how can I look at this person that's been driving me crazy maybe all my life? or certainly for the last six months or a year at work. Maybe it's my boss. Maybe it's my in-law. Maybe it's my uh, uh, you know, next-door neighbor who always, always whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. the terms always and never, you have to drop them from your, your vocabulary because it really isn't what Dale Carnegie said. It isn't what you have or who you are or where you are or what you're doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It's what you think about it. And that includes <laughs> the people in your life. <laughs> so we okay. Have to <laughs> life is an attitude, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's what the, the exercises in the book, then, are designed to help you um, work through your own concepts, your own issues around how you look at another person that mm-hmm. initially is just really pissing you off. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to I want to interject and say super creds to uh, this bold, amazing uh, lady that came to you as a life messenger. Your former boss mm-hmm. uh, gave you this epiphany moment. Not many people um, are are able, uh, willing to assume that role, and um, that was amazing. And um, you know, 
that she would be, uh, feel strong enough and, um, willing to do that. So that's neat when people have someone in their life because there's this shoot the messenger syndrome. Oh yeah. Um, that goes on. Yes. And so you respected her enough to not hear her, but to listen to her. I didn't hear criticism. I heard concern for, do you know you're doing this? Mm-hmm. And it, it really makes it hard for us to get our job done. It wasn't, you're a bad person. You mm-hmm. make me feel. I have, there's a story in the book about one of my friends that I worked with a lot. And she kept saying, I made her feel something. Well, we were the content we were teaching was based on the concept that we choose our feelings. And I I couldn't hear what she was saying because she was using language that was directly in against what we what we believed. And when I wrote the book, I finally realized, I mean, she came up as an example of someone who tried to tell me that that what I was doing was a problem and I couldn't figure it out. I remember scratching my head for the next 10 years wondering, what is she really trying to say? I think what she was trying to say was she felt that she didn't look as as uh, intelligent or knowledgeable in front of our, our our classes that we taught together when my reaction was she'd been doing this much longer. She was a licensed counselor. I gave her, I mean, I had all kinds of respect for her. It never occurred to me that she felt less than in some way. Mm-hmm. And um, she wasn't able to phrase it in such a way because she didn't, couldn't really say what the impact was on her. She just kept saying, well, you just make me feel so uh, so slow and old. And, uh, mm-hmm. and <laughs> mm-hmm. so there's that. And then people have said, you know, when you use that tone of voice, I feel blah, blah, blah. We're taught this like, well, when you do this, I feel this. And that's supposed to change things. But actually, that's a, a, a technique from parent effectiveness training. And what their technique is, when you say that, when you say or do this, I feel this. In other words, the impact on me is this, or I, the, my feeling is this, and this is the concrete impact. They call it a concrete and tangible effect. And I remember trying very hard to come up with concrete and tangible effects that my son, you know, at age three or four or five, could really understand so that he would stop doing whatever it was he was doing. So so that's really a three-part message, and what people often will do is say, well, when you do that, I feel this way. And the implication is that then I will say, oh, dear, I don't want to make you feel that way. Well, my response usually was, I'm sorry you feel that way, you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for your feelings, mm-hmm. which isn't, which isn't, you know, there's a little bit of self-help can be dangerous because, you can walk around saying, well, I'm not responsible for your feelings. Be that way. And, and and I didn't quite do it that crassly, but I think that was my response to a number of things. It's like, you know, maybe you need to work on that. It has nothing to do with me. This is your issue. That kind almost, of almost deflecting. Let me ask you this, and maybe our listeners have this same. I want to get a grasp on this. So now this is um, – I'm trying to think of the individual that is experiencing this. It's probably just as frustrating for the difficult person as it is those that have to live with this difficult person. This is more than a class half empty mentality. This is, you are kind of in the muck of 
a difficult perspective. You are, I think it's so. deeper than that, right? I think so, yeah. Yes. So having the conversation with them is probably going to be more than just one sitting. Mm-hmm. But for the, the example I used with my boss, I we had a really good relationship, uh, and I really respected her, and she didn't attack me at all. So I was willing to say, oops, and stop and look. But I'm sure I had um, moments of extreme frustration and anger uh, during my work life and even beyond after that. But what I had learned was not to let it out, or at least not to let it out in public. You know, start journaling, start talking to somebody about it, um, and learn to turn my perspective around so it was a glass half full instead of half empty. Correct. Um, when we come back, I want to take a break, but I want to explore a little bit about does the world create a difficult person? Where's the birth of a difficult person? Is it genetic? Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Life experiences, um, social, um, perhaps it's events. Um, but let's explore that a little bit. It may be different for everybody. Uh, you're listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly with Sarah Elliston. We'll be back right after this. Sunrises and sunsets. Final Affairs Forged with Flair, Finesse, and Functionality is a delightful book for every adult of any age and any stage. This multi-award winning book written by gerontologist Holly Kelly is a soul-soothing journey and novel approach to completing your personal affairs and advanced care planning. Readers are calling it transformative, life-changing, and fun. Prepare lovingly, plan thoughtfully, live dynamically. Available on Amazon and most bookstores. Author autographed copies are available at sunrisesandsunsetsbook.com where you can subscribe, register for a workshop, and more. Thanks for listening. Love and life here on Aging Gratefully uh, with Sarah Elliston and um, your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. And uh, thank you. And we're talking about difficult people. Do you know any? Of course you do. Of course you do. And uh, I've had some. And because this goes global, I'm not going to tell you who they are. They may be listening. And I'm not going to incriminate myself. Uh, but um they do. They change your mood and they make you cranky. It's infectious. Difficult people are infectious. They make us go home and we're grumpy and um, we contaminate other people that we're in a good mood. And it just it gets paid forward in atrocious ways. So um, we want everybody happy. Smiles. Everyone smiles. I'm thinking Fantasy Island. Goodness, I loved that show. I just dated myself. Anyway, Sarah, uh, tell us, um, does our world create difficult people? Are we just born do do some people just come out of the womb just all cranky and they just go through life that way um how does this roll you know i think everybody is difficult to somebody 
Well, yes, so, we can all we can all yeah, you know get our difficult um, groove on. When when we when we have a someone in our life that be, thinks differently, believes differently, has different values, and is um, argumentative and forceful in in trying to make them your you know make yours theirs theirs yours whatever, I, I think. I don't have a perfect answer, of course, for mm-hmm. this. I just know what my experience was. My sisters will tell you that um, my parents bent over backwards to, or my mother specifically, to everything was about how do we fix Sarah. And my reaction is, looking back on this, is that they just wished I wasn't there. So we have very different views of um, my growing up, and I, I can't imagine that that isn't true for every member of every family. Um, in my situation, it seemed like the only way I got heard was to argue and be really, really loud. The only mm-hmm. way to roar the loudest. I just did a tweet yeah. yesterday, um, and I just have to say it because of what you just said. Uh, it was it was funny. I mean, we were we were goofing around, but um, uh, it was done jovial. But my perception is a hundred percent of my reality, mm-hmm. and it's that's just like what you said is that you felt like they didn't care if you were there. And that's what you believe. If I wasn't. Yeah, yeah I and that's really what you, and that's what you felt. And that, of course, they would deny that. Of course, they would be absolutely heartbroken to even feel that you ever felt that way. Mm, not sure. <laughs> my parents, maybe, but not maybe not my sisters. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, but all of us look at it differently. So I think uh, in terms of the development, it's it's the person who has felt disconnected because the, the the result of being a difficult person is that you you never quite feel as close to everybody else as they seem to be with each other mm-hmm. is this sense? like an odd is this an odd sheep syndrome well i had friends i had confidants i, I meaning you know, in the family I, within the family dynamic oh i don't Perhaps. know that i don't yeah. know what that refers to the odd sheep. Mm-hmm. maybe you didn't feel like connected close with the family well, I know, no, that's for sure. I mm-hmm. felt that they would have preferred me not to be there. But that was my conclusion. Um, I think my mom would have been pretty horrified to think that I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the scapegoat in our family, if you go but with dysfunctional family terms. You know, things just always seemed to be, you know, it was always around, well, what's, what are we going to do with Sarah? If they wanted to go somewhere and I didn't want to go, it was easier to find something for me to do than to take me with it because I was not fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't fun to have around if I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of it is is uh, the the childhood, or I don't think it's a genetic at all. I think mm-hmm. some people become difficult, and maybe mm-hmm. it's part of the purpose of your show, um, as people uh, to be thinking about aging gratefully as opposed to aging grumpily or or <laughs> I love it. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, so I I know that uh, there are people who are older than I at my church who are incredibly peaceful and happy and grateful, and then there are some that always seem to have to find something wrong with something. And and I can resonate with that uh, impulse, and I can because of doing this work and writing this book, I can deal with them much, much more comfortably than I might have 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Well, here's what I love. You've, you've shown us that 
difficult people can reform. And that's incredible. And that's so inspiring and beautiful. So here's, uh, here's my next question. We could do a two-hour show, and so um, I would love to talk to you for two hours. What is the number one tool in our arsenal, in our toolkit, if you will, that um, you would identify as an expert in this area as most the most important quality or trait in dealing with difficult people as somebody you know on the other side that um, would kind of alleviate you know them getting you know all rattled up. Well, I have I have a two part answer. Okay. Um, Dr. Glasser, when he talked about the toxic habits, which is pretty much what difficult people do, he also suggests that we live by the caring habits. And so, but this this is going to feel like a really big piece. But I'm going to read them to you anyway. Mm-hmm. They're supporting, encouraging, listening, accepting, trusting, respecting, and negotiating differences. So if you can put that on a you know, billboard or something, if you can live by that, you will get along with any anybody difficult because you'll be supporting and encouraging and listening. The simple answer, I think, is don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're doing, it's not personal and it's about them. So that's, that's the first, you know, you're asking the most important thing in your arsenal um, I've I've been saying in other interviews, remember, they don't know they're doing it. They're not doing it on purpose. And I think maybe uh, looking at it from the don't take it personally is a simpler, uh, certainly a more, it's appropriate in, in every aspect of our lives, you know, because things are not, we don't really see things the way they are. We see things the way we are, the way, what we feel about it. And, and if we can practice being respectful and trusting and accepting. So we trust that this difficult person does not know what they're doing and they don't understand the impact that they're making. If we trust that, we can be more accepting of them. If we're more accepting of them, hello, they become more accepting of us. I mean, mm-hmm. one of those what goes around comes around things. But mm-hmm. as I say... <laughs> those seven caring habits are, uh, I think, activities that most of us spend our lives trying to do. Oh, I mean, certainly wonderful character traits for the betterment of humanity. Um, right. And uh, they certainly evolve goodness. And if we exhibit those, um, that's certainly a wonderful thing. And it's kind of, a, I, uh, you know, if we can give that, hopefully that would be received in return. And so... Uh, what about what about somebody that's just mean to you? How do we, if somebody's mean and you say don't take it personal, how can so, we achieve that? I'd need to know specifically what the person said or what they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mean is a great big, you know, glommy word. It's like uh, calling someone narcissistic or a manipulator. Well, mm-hmm. You're mean to me. Well, what exactly did I say? Mm-hmm. And um, I can tell you uh, an example from my life. I was dating a man whose daughter was very proud that her mother had um, copied a whole bunch of movies for her. And she was just so excited because now she could watch these movies I, on DVDs, I think they were in mm-hmm. those days. And I kind of went off on her and said, you know, somebody makes money on that. 
Mm-hmm. I thought your mom had more ethics than that, and you should never watch those movies. And I kind of went on and on, and the little girl t- sort of started to cry. <laughs> and my boyfriend turned to me and said, for God's sakes, you know, lay off. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't I hadn't realized that I was um, – this was before um, my boss had said to me, you know, stop doing what you're doing. I hadn't realized that I was uh, – he said, you're hammering her, and I didn't know that. I mm-hmm. was – Speaking up for what I believed, but there was there was certainly um, a tone of disrespect for her mother, and um, I had my opinions about her mother, which wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. That's mean. I would say that behavior was mean. But mm-hmm. I and how and what he did was interrupt it. <laughs> he just said stop, mm-hmm. and uh, that was one of the things I appreciated most about him. Mm-hmm. So there's always like a maybe a you know several ways to say something, and sometimes the person saying it just doesn't know the softer, more delicate approach. Maybe there's a way I, to convey I, your thoughts, like, oh wow, did you know that. that there's copyright laws and that these artists mm-hmm. work really hard? You know, were you aware of that? But the person in that moment with those feelings doesn't know how to to dial it back and to like literally put a governor on all of that emotion. I kept waiting for her to respond, and she didn't. She just got stood there with her eyes getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I also realized, looking back, that there were other people like her in my life for whom I was intimidating. And the idea of me being intimidating just was alien the first time I thought of it. When someone said, well, you know, it's pretty intimidating when you get up there, and you, I said, oh, be serious. And wow! Said, oh, really, you know. So, and, that, and you never saw yourself that way. You never saw yourself intimidating, but while others did. Oh yes, and I, that's mm-hmm. probably very true for others who who are intimidating, and some of them mm-hmm. may be doing it deliberately. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I just was being me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was just breathing as far as I was concerned. Right. But I think uh, when your question was, when someone's being mean, how do you not take it personally? I, you you look at the, the concrete, specific doing and saying, and you take all the rest of it out. Don't mm-hmm. say that. Don't hammer. In this case, you know you've said it once. We got the message. You don't need to keep saying it over and over again. It's it's you know you don't need to push on this one. Stop. Very good. Um, tell us about your work. So share some of the ways that you're helping. Uh, reforming other difficult people <laughs> or, or helping people Actually, deal with challenges because you have a website. Yeah. Okay. I do. I don't, I'm not really dealing with difficult people very much except some of my friends who've read the book have come to me and said, oh my God, you told my story, which I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, more, more of my coaching has been with the people who have difficult people in their lives. Well, don't so, we all? <laughs> well, we do. Yeah. Yes. So they'll, they'll come to my workshops if they can or they'll call me and and we'll spend some time together talking about it and they give me permission to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. so they can get really really clear on what the other person is saying or doing I'm not a counselor I'm not a therapist so I can get them started on the path to clarity in this area um, but I think the workshops are the most help Mm-hmm. And um, uh, for folks I listening, did. that's uh, com, S-A-R-A-H-E-L-L-I-S-T-O-N.com. So, yes, tell us about uh, your workshops. 
Well, the workshop is really the process of the book. It's starting out with who, who, who's driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. I used to start my workshop with volunteer coordinators. Who drives you crazy at work? You know, that's simple. And 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 then being getting really clear on exactly what the words are and exactly what the doing behaviors are, and that takes a lot of work. Then we 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 look at how to look at someone without all the judgment, and that's fun. I have a lot of exercises on that, and then uh, start to, you know, get clear on how to have the conversation, and then we practice the conversation, mm-hmm. and we role play it, and uh, I I love being the person in the workshop while they get to be their difficult person, so I can demonstrate how they could have the conversation. Oh, and, role play uh, is always uh, so very helpful. Yeah, I have yes. a couple of them in the book. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, I think they demonstrate pretty well how it could go mm-hmm. if there's a good relationship. If there isn't a good relationship, it's going to take a while. Now, can they get copies of the book also from your website? Yes, they can. It'll connect mm-hmm. them right to Amazon. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so what is the takeaway? We've got about three and a half minutes left in the show. What is the takeaway from your book that, um, quickly here, you hope readers remember? That they don't know they're doing it. I think the four things I started with. It's not. Do you not have a clue what uh, they're they're saying or acting? Mm -hmm. Yep. They don't know how others perceive them, and they don't know what the impact is. Mm -hmm. Now, tied to the impact is the the concept of consequences, because uh, in my case, it was my boss, and it was pretty clear if I didn't stop, she wasn't going to be looking at me positively. I might not have a job. But uh, there's a story of a woman in the book whose children uh, uh, who refused to started refusing to go to family events because um, their aunt was abusive in their in their words. They didn't mm-hmm. want to be around her. She was sarcastic and she teased them, and they didn't like it. And no one was standing up for them. And so there's a consequence. So not only was the woman behaving in a certain way and didn't know it, but she might not have understood the consequence of her behavior of the impact of her behavior. Mm-hmm. So that's really, if you can remember that much and believe it, <laughs> right. I think when you're in the moment, you might not believe it, but but, mm-hmm. but uh, read the book again. I honestly, I, I know that it's true. Well, um, I think this is so important um, for everybody because we all have had those moments where even if it's somebody that you don't know, even if it's somebody that uh, you've just interacted with um, spontaneously, perhaps, um, you know, um, at a store uh, or something like that, uh, and they just get you riled up, it's so important that we have these coping skills and that um, we know how to handle our own emotions and ourselves uh, so that we don't get on that momentum or that wave. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I think it's amazing. And I really uh, give you um, so much credit. It's very brave that you were able to look really inside yourself uh, and to get so honest and create this work so that other people could benefit uh, very authentic and raw. That's not easy to do. So, um uh, wonderful that you did this. And so, um, um, 
Yeah, very good. I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show, and I want to encourage people to go um, look up your book on Amazon and visit you at uh, sarahelliston.com. My last question for you very quickly, how do you age gratefully? <laughs> well, uh, you warned me. So uh, when I do a gratitude list every night, so that's part of one of the things I do. And, you know, physically I eat fresh fruit and vegetables, I exercise and lift weights and love my cats. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. Um, SarahElliston.com, visit her. You've been listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. I invite you to learn more about my work and professional offerings at LadderLifePlanningInstitute.com. If you or a loved one haven't yet completed your advanced care planning, consider my multi-award winning book that is changing lives through thoughtful planning at SunrisesAndSunsetsBook.com. My workshops and speaking venues all focus on encouraging you to live vibrantly, plan thoughtfully, and age dynamically. Join me in two weeks for, I have Filippo Baltagio, author of The Little Dog That Could. Thank you for listening to Aging Gratefully. This wraps up our show. May each of you age great and live full in the spirit of gratitude and visit SarahElliston.com. Till we meet again, here's to living your best life now. I used to think time was my enemy My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time Now you could say that I'm Aging gratefully mm, Aging gratefully With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.